Welcome to the Seahawkers Podcast with your host, Adam Emmert. Short shorts, skinny jeans, man buns. Oh, and dudes wearing clogs. That's the line in the sand. Can't have it. And Brandon Schultz. Have you seen Russell Wilson's thighs? Yes, you have, because he's been wearing short shorts. Go Hawks! Yes, we do. Welcome to episode 177 of the Seahawkers podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz of the Military Seahawkers. And joining me on Halloween, dressed up as a Seahawks fan who had his world turned upside down this week, my good buddy and Montana Seahawker, Adam Emmert. So you're the Brandon Schultz, right? Yeah. Not like some bizarro other dimension (laughs) Brandon Schultz. Because I feel like I've slipped into another dimension. I need some reality checks here, Brandon. Because I just watched a football game in which the defense gave up 38 points. Our running backs ran for a combined five yards, and we won. And we traded for a Pro Bowl left tackle. I'm in a different, I'm in an alternative universe. You're the Brandon Schultz, right? Like, who is our, I need fact checks here. Who was our kindergarten teacher? Mrs. Vanetta. Okay. How many daughters do you have? <laughs> Three. Okay. What color is my house? Greenish. Okay. All right, this is reality. I, I, I was uncertain. What a crazy few days! It's been a crazy couple days. And I'm yes. in a different fandom. This is this, this, this. I don't even feel like a real twelve right now. I, it just this is crazy. The one way I that I know that we're in the proper reality is I yeah. checked Pro Football Reference, and they accurately listed Dwayne Brown, who the Seahawks just traded for. Correct. Not as a tackle. But as a guard. So, see, they're already recognizing the oh. reality in which we live that Dwayne Brown is no longer a tackle now that he plays for the Seahawks because all we have is the, the, the middle guard, the, the center guards, and then the yes, outer guards. All the guards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, maybe that's why this trade actually happened is that Tom Cable looked at his, uh, is what, what was that on pro football reference? Is that right. what you said? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, looked at his, uh, his player profile there and it's like, oh, a guard. We could trade for him. I'm on board. If he's a tackle, I'm out. But if he's a guard, I'm in. And so John was like, hey, Tom thinks this dude's a guard. Like, let's, let's get this done. Let's get it done. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is the big news this week. We're going to be talking about Dwayne Brown coming to the Seahawks. We'll be talking about the Seahawks 41 to 38 victory over the Houston Texans. And then they have an upcoming game against Washington this Sunday. Back to back home games. We'll be talking about that as well. Adam, I know you're going to try and make the trip out to the game. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe you're looking to hitch a ride if anybody's going to the game from uh, Lewiston, Idaho. Yeah, if there happens to be anybody going to Seattle from Lewiston, Idaho, uh, Sunday morning, that would be cool. Only because that might save Jared and I having to take two cars to Lewiston if I'm going to try to even be able to get there. This is going to be touch and go, but I really want to. There's going to be so many of you little flockers out there that I really want to see and uh, like really, really genuinely want to see. So I- I'm going to do my darndest, man. I may be dead dog tired when I get there, but... You might I'm be, do my but yeah. uh, if we can get you a ride, I know I can get you back to Montana on Sunday. Right. So I'll hitchhike at that point. I don't even care. Yeah. After the game, it doesn't matter. Right. It's just getting there. Yeah. Well, let's start things off. Big news. The Seahawks actually acquire offensive line talent, Adam. And just when you when you're starting to think the team didn't care about the O-line, they do. They do care about it. And maybe it had a little bit of something to do with the fact that, as you mentioned, Five yards rushing combined on Sunday against the Texans. 
Yeah, I think it has a little bit to do with that. And then also, I think it has a little bit to do with me. I just want to say you're welcome to all the listeners. <laughs> because John Schneider finally caved to my constant whining. Like, it's fi- it finally happened. The squeaky wheel got the grease. And the Seahawks pull off a trade that I genuinely think is a great value for the Seahawks with what they gave up. This is going to work out fantastically over time. And I'm really excited about what Dwayne Brown brings to the team. And the idea that John said he would like to see him retire there as a Seahawk. That means this isn't a stopgap. This is a guy they want to see for a while. It would suggest that based on the amount of value that they gave to the Texans to get him. Now, they actually get a fifth rounder from the Texans in the deal in addition to Brown. But they have to send a third rounder in 2018 and then a second rounder in 2019. And when people see that, yeah, they they go, oh well, that stings a little bit. But you know no, that doesn't that well to some people. I'm saying I know it doesn't right. to you. But that 29 right. pick, the 2019 pick wasn't going to be helping us win a Super Bowl anytime soon. So that that is not a problem to me. And I wanted to go back because you recognize Squeaky Wheel getting the grease. Brett and Sydney, he sent an email. He okay. said, I would like to nominate Adam Emmert for a better at life than Skip Bayless award <laughs> in order to stop Adam's incessant ranting about the O-line. John yeah. Schneider did what had to be done and signed <laughs> Dwayne Brown from the Texans. I wish it had been done a lot earlier, but now Adam Me has too. no choice. <laughs> Adam has no choice, but to pipe down about the O-line. Well done. Great. Well done, Adam, for forcing John Schneider's hand. At last, the final piece is in place, and now I can say the Seahawks are going to the Super Bowl. (laughs) This team is stacked apart from the running back position. With a relatively easy schedule, the Seahawks are in prime position to be the number one NFC seed this year. Keep up the good work, gents, and go Hawks. Go Hawks, Brett. I appreciate the email. I agree. Now I can't can't just sit here in freak out over a complete lack of action towards the biggest problem on this team. They actually made a legitimate high quality move. I, I got to rewatch about the first half of the game before we got on the podcast. And at first I was going to try, try to see, you know, how Deshaun Watson managed to pick us apart the way that he did. Nope. I watched Dwayne Brown on every single snap. You know what he is? Freaking awesome. Yeah. He's, he's really dang good. And he's been really dang good for a long time. And not only that, you watched a Dwayne Brown that hadn't played. Oh, did you say a Dwayne Brown? A, you, did? you watched a Dwayne Brown. And this is okay. This is proper usage, actually, Adam. Oh, okay. Educate me. <laughs> well, because it is not only a Dwayne Brown, it is the Dwayne Brown. I am talking mm-hmm. about the actual person, Dwayne Brown. Right. <laughs> not someone like him. Oh, okay. The actual dude. All you right, watched you. a Dwayne Brown <laughs> up against a Seahawks defensive line in Century Link. And a guy that hadn't played since January of 2017. So almost 10 full right. months. And every time he put his mitts on somebody, it was game over. That, that's exactly how it went on pretty much every single play for the Texans in that game. And that's when he's rusty. So that seems pretty good. I wanted to come back a little bit to the idea of uh, what the Seahawks gave up for Dwayne Brown. And how you said some people, I know not you or I, but some people will be like, man, that's, that's kind of a lot. Well, let's go over this real quick and why this is actually going to pan out really well for the Seahawks as far as what they gave up. And initially, we thought they were giving up Jeremy Lane to send down to the Texans to help offset some of the salary, but he fails his physical. Maybe it had to do with his bruised thigh that he suffered during the game on Sunday. Maybe it had to do with the fingers that he hurt the week before. Maybe it had to do with a groin issue that he's been dealing with for part of the season. Who knows? 
But Seattle now gets to keep him and have a really nice amount of depth to the secondary with Deshaun Shedd coming back. But let's talk about those picks. The, the Seahawks already gave up the second rounder for 2018 for Richardson. And now they give up a third rounder, but they, they also get a fifth back. So it balances out there. And I think they have three picks in the fifth round now. And we've also seen how the team is willing to trade their first round pick almost every year to go and accumulate more picks throughout the draft. You know, John Schneider is going to trade his first pick up another second and probably another fifth or sixth. So you're not really losing anything when it's all said and done. It's gonna, It's all going to buff out about exactly the same as it would have. And you get a pro bowl left tackle out of the deal. And you're going to be fantastic. losing some guys that, that bring you in third round comp picks. Right. Yeah, there's, there's no way they're going to be able to keep, keep everybody. I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll see. We can talk about <laughs> that. Know. That's good off season talk, but that for is now. good off season talk, <laughs> but to help keep guys around, I mean, to make this deal work, we saw that Russell Wilson restructured his contract. He did. And you have to wonder if they would have tried to maybe move a little bit more money around if they would have known that the Texans really didn't care to get Jeremy Lane as part of the deal, which is it's incredibly surprising to me because I, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, the Texans gave up 34 points to the Seahawks offense on Sunday, right? They could have really used some help in their secondary. Yeah, we also gave up 38 points to the Texans uh, Texans offense, and uh, I, I don't think we need help in the secondary. I think our secondary is going to be okay. So are you like, maybe just a little bit surprised they didn't try and find uh, room for another Pro Bowl player on defense after giving up 38 points? Yeah, right. Instead, they, they, they go on the offensive side of the ball, which is a little crazy. But <laughs> I, I, love, I love this trade. I think this is exactly what this team needed at this point in the year. It is time to go for it, and I'm with Brett and Sydney. This is the type of move that puts you in contention to go all the way to the Super Bowl. You said one of the reasons John Schneider pulled off this trade is he looked at the running backs and said, oh, they only gained five yards and the running game is abysmal. I think that is one way to look at it. I think the other thing that he looked at was, yeah, the running backs only got five yards, but Russell Wilson threw for a career high 400 odd some yards. We're going to have to be a passing offense going forward this season for this window. And if you're going to be that, you need a quality left tackle. And so he pulled the trigger. That need was tired of listening to me. Nah, that too. And I, I don't think it was one game that made this happen. And it, it seems no. like this was had been in the works for a while. It sounded like they had been in discussions for quite some time regarding this trade. Well, let's get to this game, Adam. Russell Wilson. Are we done gushing about left tackles? I we can we can bring it in more, but I think we're ten okay. minutes into the show. <laughs> All right, I, I just I'm so happy. I know I'm you're so happy. happy. I know you're happy, and I'm, I'm so happy. I think many of us Seahawks fans are super happy about this game on Sunday too. I know, but we have a left tackle now, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that that tops everything. I understand. So many more games are going to be awesome now. This is great. Okay, but let's talk about this game, which was fun. A shootout. I know you and I both totally expected that. We totally expected a shootout, you know, with two defensive teams generally, with the Texans being among the top teams in uh, top-scoring defenses, the Seahawks, the top-scoring defense going into this game. And what do they do? It's an offensive shootout as the Seahawks win 41-38. to Every score, nearly every score in this game, just back and forth, back and forth. The Texans get on the board early, a 59-yard pass over the top of Earl Thomas 
to Will Fuller from Deshaun Watson. Will Fuller, Adam, who you dogged before this game. Yeah, this is such bullshit. Catfish! Uh, I mean, he had nine catches all year coming into this game. And suddenly, man, it suddenly proves you right. It's a bunch of crap. Every time, you know, I was double mad every time Will Fuller caught a touchdown. That was a bunch of crap. He was injured to start the year. I, I tried to tell injured. you. I tried to warn you. I tried to warn all the listeners. You did. You did. You were Paul Revere. The yeah. British were coming. Yeah. The Fullers were coming. And uh, he beat Earl Thomas early on. Fortunately, Earl Thomas, he wasn't having any of it. He came back with uh, a little play of his own. Watson out of the shotgun on third and ten. Miller stays in the backfield. Four-man rush. Watson throws down the middle. It's intercepted. It's Earl Thomas coming back near side. Hooper go midfield 40, 35. He's going to go 20, 10, 5. No flags. Touchdown, Seahawks. Earl Thomas picks it off. You can beat him once, but don't try him again. And he takes it to the house. Earl really did jump that route and did a great job of reading the quarterback the second go around there when Watson decided to test him. Now, the route concepts were very different on the two plays. On the touchdown, they ran uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins on a deep crosser and basically dropped Will Fuller on the other side of the field in behind him, just a straight go route. So Earl tried to kind of play it in between. And to be able, because his chief concern was Hopkins. So he cheated up a little bit on that. Will Fuller burns Griffin and it's touchdown. Now in the second play on the interception, there was nobody to take his attention away. He was just out there doing area 29 things, just being able to lurk around there and read the quarterback's eyes. And if you don't put him in a bind, like they did that previous route concept, right? And you give him the ability to sit back there and pick who he's going to jump. Good luck with that. That's pick six all day. Yeah, it worked out perfectly for Earl in that in that spot. And apparently before the game, Earl had predicted he was going to pick six Watson. So uh, can he do that every week? now? I would like, like to see him make that prediction every week. OK, like if that's what it takes, just do that. It's like just doing be- Just tell yourself, do better, do better. I do it. All- yeah, I have to tell myself that all the time, every day. Well, the defense was the one that got the the defense got the Seahawks on the board first with that touchdown but uh russell wilson wasn't far behind the the seahawks offense slow to start wait no way i know it's weird but uh they actually scored points in the first quarter though so this is this is a departure from the norm right and after a lamar miller a three-yard run for a touchdown after the earl thomas touchdown russell wilson finds paul richardson in the end zone Russell from the empty backfield takes a shotgun snap, steps up, spins out of trouble, gets a good block. Now he's going to slide near side. Now he's going to throw down the middle. Ball is caught. Touchdown, Seahawks. It is Paul Richardson. I was looking at the receiver in the back of the end zone and thought it was going to fall incomplete, and Richardson came out of nowhere and makes the catch crossing the field. Richardson with the touchdown catch from 20 yards, and the Seahawks are a point away from tying it up at 14 apiece. And thank goodness he came out from out of nowhere because had that been going to Baldwin, it would have uh, short hopped him. I hadn't I hadn't heard Steve Rabel's call till just now, and uh, not only was Steve Rabel looking at Baldwin in the back of the end zone, but Russell Wilson was too. <laughs> right, that throw was not to Paul Richardson, but he came in on his white horse, scooped it up, touchdown. Great play. I thought what was interesting on that play is uh, Odiambo got initially beat, but then recovered and just pancaked Clowney. Yeah. One of the few times he got the better of him. The rest of the day, Clowney ate his lunch. 
And I think that also facilitated the Dwayne Brown trade because <laughs> that was bad. It, w- it was a rough day, but you have to expect you, uh, against one of the premier pass rushers that, that Odiambo was going to have a rough day. That was really rough. Yeah. But pretty cool. I don't know that we're going to be able to get through every single touchdown, every single big play in this. I mean, I, th- there's just too many. I think we're going to have to pick our favorites. <laughs> we are because there were two touchdowns to Paul Richardson. There were two touchdowns to Jimmy Graham. We played the Earl Thomas touchdown and uh, Blair Walsh scored some points too down there inside the red zone. And fortunately, those those two field goals didn't come back to bite the Seahawks because getting so close to getting into the end zone and then uh, Russell Wilson throwing a late interception to the Texans. After that point, it kind of looked like maybe the maybe the Texans were going to pull through on this game. I know a few. No, it, it was Russ time. I knew it. I called it. Absolutely. I knew that was going to happen. All I said was they just needed one stop and then it's Russ time. Yeah. And it was. And let's talk about some of our favorites. Let's talk about that last drive. All the greatest hits. All three plays there that were freaking amazing. I mean, Russell Wilson hooks up with Paul Richardson deep. Then hits Tyler Lockett on a 19-yard strike. And then, uh, you know, just throws a touchdown to win the game on the uh, near the last play of the game. Russell gets the offense to the line. Is he going to slam it down or is he going to make a play? He takes the snap. He's going to look downfield. He's going to throw. Jimmy Graham. Touchdown. Seahawks. Jimmy Graham on a shot right down the middle of the field. Are you kidding me? Holy catfish, what a play, what a drive, an 18-yard play, and the 12s are going nuts. There's so much to like about the play. There's so much to like about the call. Yes. Uh, with, with Rabel nearly losing his voice. Uh, I think his I think his voice sounded like we all felt at that point. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, right? Like, excited, but a little ragged around the edges and exhausted. Yeah. Well, the one uh, you could tell where the exhaustion was on the field because... Every single one of those dudes looked like they expected Russell to spike the ball. Russell Wilson had his choice of three dudes in the back of the end zone, and he chose to throw it to Graham. Everybody was wide open. He really doesn't want Jimmy Graham to be traded, so no. he he threw it to Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Two touchdowns on the day for Jimmy. Um, definitely trade the bum. Can't have that on bum. our team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I what was amazing about that, Russell Wilson comes down, gets, we call it the stat, right? Because at the every... At the end of every game, when it comes down to the last two minutes, like the TV station puts up how many times a quarterback has had a game tying or game winning touchdown or score in their career. We call that the stat. The stat. So, so Russell Wilson gets a stat. Watson does not. That was Russell Wilson looking at Deshaun Watson and being like, all right, kid, you're good. It ain't your time yet. Sit down, son. Well, it was a huge day for Wilson. You mentioned he got the stat, and uh, we're talking about comeback wins 19th that's that's russell wilson's 19th comeback victory puts him at number 31 in the nfl all time that ties him with dudes like terry bradshaw boomer esiason ken stabler bart Starr, all those guys there huh yeah yeah joe theisman minus boomer yeah boomer was a good quarterback and didn't have any rings nearly had a a ring but joe montana took uh, that one right right away from him with his own stat yeah yeah 482 yards of offense 452 yards passing, 30 rushing. We talked about the four touchdowns. Russell Wilson, 482 yards of offense. The Seattle Seahawks offense, 
479 yards. Somehow Russell Wilson got three more <laughs> total team offense. Pretty amazing. And then when you look at the rushing stats, I mean, him with 30 yards in the rest of the running backs combined for five yards. Let's talk about something negative. Like we've had, we've had a lot of gush fest here for the first, you know, 15 minutes of the pod here. Or so 20 minutes, let's talk about the running game that I don't, I think dumpster fire doesn't quite, uh, you know, sum it up. I mean, like dumpster nuclear explosion, something like that. Like it's that, that would, that's abysmal. And part of it was the game plan in this game. They Pete Carroll said that they saw some tendencies on film that running at Jadavian Clowney was going to be what what was going to be part of their strategy in this game. Well, they found out that running at Jadavian Clowney got you exactly uh, five yards. Right. Yeah, it was, it was a tough game. And, um, and really, those five yards probably came more toward running away from him because when they ran at him, uh, they were usually about four or five yards in the backfield. That's exactly right. I mean, they, the national narrative that I've heard surrounding this game since the game concluded was the idea that Seattle has no running backs. Boy, I've heard that probably 15 times in the last couple of days. No, we have running backs. Thomas Rawls is a damn good back. JD McKissick is a damn good back. CJ Procise might be a good back. And then there's Eddie Lacy. The backs are there. The problem is, is that they're getting smoked three yards behind the line of scrimmage or at best they can run into a brick wall right in front of them. Like that's that's all they got. Those are your options. Right. Get smoked or run into a brick wall. What are you going to do? I can't blame them that much. I can't even blame Eddie that much. The point that demonstrated that when they got down to the goal line on a couple of those drives where they settled for field goals, I'm yelling at my TV. Okay, run the ball three times. And they and they handed off to Thomas Rawls. Thomas Rawls, you know, instead of running into a dude that's much smaller, decides to kind of cut it back in and runs into some much bigger linebackers, which you know, stopped him for zero gain. It, there was a little bit of a hole there. I, I no, there I, wasn't. Yeah, I think. no, there wasn't. If he, if he was going to string it out, he was going to get cut down. Like you got to cut it up and make a hard cut towards the goal line. That's what you do. That's the Seahawks' run game. The Texans and, also have a solid run defense. Yeah. So there's yeah, that. that Exactly. I mean, that's what that's what Thomas Rawls is trained to do in this offense. He plays the position perfectly. And on top of all of that, he is a tone setting type back. This is a guy who had a great game last game, minus a fumble, which was fluky as hell. Thomas Rawls is still a hell of a running back. But for whatever reason, we won't get him into a groove early in a game. I don't think I saw him until late in the second quarter. But even even if they had started him early in this game, I don't know if their strategy was to run at their best player, which <laughs> great, great idea. That sounds like a really neat idea. I don't know that he would have had much success anyways. The other place where he didn't have success was catching in the end zone because he had another pass, an opportunity to catch a touchdown. Tough. It was Russell floated it a little bit too high. Yeah, that's, expect, that's I, a bad throw. I expect Thomas Rawls to come down with that, though. I expect Russell Wilson to hit him in the numbers like a quarterback. That's a bad throw. And I don't know what Russell was dealing with in front of him if he had to put a little bit more air under it. It looked like he needed to put a little air under it with a, a dude coming at him. You can still put air under it and have it hit him at, like you know in the chest. You don't have to make him you know make a Lynn Swan type grab in the in the end zone. He's a running back. So Russell Wilson has a measly four touchdowns instead of five, uh, thanks to Thomas Rawls. Uh, <laughs> Not but, thanks to Russell throwing the ball poorly. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I can't. Uh, I, I can't crush Russell Wilson this week. Uh, the only player, no, it's just Adam, a bad throw. The only player now to have 450 yards or more passing, 30 or more yards rushing, 
and four or more touchdowns in NFL history. And if you yeah. bump it, if you bump it down to 20 plus yards rushing and three plus TDs, the last guy to do it, the last guy to have 450 Randall him? go back farther. Um, Fran Tarkenton farther. Why a tittle? 1963 was the last time it was done. Who the hell was that? Cowboys quarterback Don Meredith. Of course it was Don Meredith. I I can't believe I missed that. I can't I can't believe wow. it either. I thought you would have had that one locked and loaded. Holy smokes. Yeah, Russell Wilson's a special special player. Showed it in a nutshell there. I mean, this could be the start of the MVP candidacy. Being now 5 and 2 with a offensive line that had been terrible for the beginning of the year, a run game that had been terrible for the beginning of the year. Yes, getting the help of good defense. But was that not basically what Cam Newton dealt with with a, a couple years ago? Minus the bad offensive line, he actually had a good one and a decent run game, mm-hmm. and let the uh, let the league on fire, and then won MVP. Like Russell's starting to do that with all of these other problems. Russell could be the MVP at the end of the year. He could be, and this would be the game where you point back to and say this was the beginning of his candidacy. Now, there's a few other guys out there who have. We've been playing pretty well to start the season. Carson Wentz is one of the guys that comes to mind with him playing in the Eagles. Only Red lost one can't game. Be MVP. No, sorry. No. Okay. <laughs> That's a rule somewhere. Alex Smith goes from being checked down Charlie to being a dude who can sling it down the field. I think he would get some votes. I think he's leading the league in yards per attempt. Yeah. How, how, or at least close to it. It kind of makes you wonder about the alternate uh, reality of, of the NFL season this year, too. Yeah. May, now, maybe Alex Smith will be go will go back to being normal Alex Smith now that we have a left tackle. No, because that continues the bizarro universe. Oh. Yeah. Shoot. No, Alex Smith will now like just start throwing bombs only. That's what's going to happen. Just bombs only. Bombs only. <laughs> Alex <laughs> bombs be- away Smith. Their playbook will just have bombs only written on the front of it. Not the good plays, not the bad plays, just bombs, bombs only. only. That sounds like my Madden playbook. That'd be a good team name for the Pick'em League. There you go. We're going to get into the Pick'em League. It was a good week for people in Pick'em. No. Well, not you, but for other people. I just remembered to pick the Thursday game. And in a way, it was a good week for you, Adam. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to that. Oh, okay. Cool. But uh, you know, going back to the running game. We talked a little bit about this in the bonus show last week because Alex Collins cut from the Seahawks, goes to the Ravens, has a great night on Thursday night football and uh, had had some Seahawks fans wringing their hands. And then not only that, not only after Alex Collins having over 110 yards rushing in the game on Thursday night, then the Seahawks go out and and have five. Yeah. You know what didn't cross my mind for one second watching the running game? You, Alex you didn't, Collins. You didn't wish he had Alex Collins. No, no, sorry. No, there was no, it, I hadn't thought about it for one instant until you just brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because if Alex Collins had been on this team and we had tried running the ball with him, instead of totaling five yards, we would have totaled negative 15. You know, when you mentioned that in the bonus show that you, that Alex Collins would have negative 50 rushing yards on this team. If he had, yes. he, had he stayed here, I, yeah. I thought that was hyperbole. No. Uh, and then and then I watched Jadavian Clowney uh, tackle dudes in the backfield. Mm-hmm. And I thought that could be Alex Collins. Yeah, I was just I was just trying to speak truth to the to the matter. That's all I was trying to do. I get it. Negative 5000 yards. Yeah, <laughs> it goes up every time. Yeah, zero. All right. Well, let's talk about one other guy on the offense, Adam, that I think we should recognize. Now, Doug Baldwin, we talk about him enough. He clearly, as far as receivers go, he's a leading pass catcher for the Seahawks. But Paul Richardson. Yeah. 
I, I don't even think Doug cares if we talk about him. I don't think he needs it. I no. think he's he's feeling pretty good about himself. Yeah, he's doing all right. Yeah. Paul Richardson, though, fourth year with the team, a guy that we had concerns about throughout his years about staying healthy. He is the guy in this game. Six catches, 105 yards, gets two touchdowns. Not only the two touchdowns, but the big play down the middle of the field. Russell Wilson throws up the jump ball to him. He just yoink right in front of the defender to catch the ball, to, to set up the Seahawks, uh, to get it to Tyler Lockett after, after that catch and set up the game-winning score. Big game for Paul Richardson. I think there's only one person in this country happier today than I am. And uh, that's Ross and Eureka mm. uh, because uh, I'm super happy about the left, ta- left tackle. But I know Ross is probably the biggest P. Rich fan that's ever been. Loves him. Really? He's a big P. Rich honk. So this has to make him so proud that a button bot pops off his chest, you know, just right off his shirt. Yeah. Boy, P. Rich just balled out, man. That's the guy we had saw on his college tape and thought that maybe somehow he could put that together in the NFL has fought through all these injuries. And somehow, I don't know if they like just KT tape his entire body before he goes out and plays now (laughs) or what it is. I don't know how they hold him together. Maybe they found a a new glue. I I don't know. But somehow has managed to stay healthy. I'm knocking on wood right now because he is dynamic. 17 yards per reception on the season, 374 yards, 22 catches. Already eclipsed his season high for any season with the Seahawks. Last year was his biggest season, 288 yards. So he had 271 his rookie season and, of course, injured uh, that second year with the team and only had one start. So this year, now with Curse out, he's kind of worked his way into that number two, number three receiving role that we saw Curse. And now he's getting the jump balls that we saw uh, going right. to Jermaine Curse in past years. With better flair. Don't you think? I mean, I, I just the style of it. It's got style points. Sure. Yeah. The way he goes up, the way he moves around dudes. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. You know, Curse would just kind of go up. And just, I mean, he didn't have a huge vertical or anything, but he would just somehow manage to high point it. Paul goes up and does something acrobatic. Right. It's really fun. This was a fun game. You know who else thinks football's fun, Brandon? A couple of guys that don't get much shine. A couple of guys that don't get a lot of balls thrown their way. But one is my man crush, Tanner McAvoy. Catches a 53-yard bomb. That was fun. Lacey, the tail of the eye. Look out. Here comes the blitz. Russell has time. He's going to throw. Hey, I'm Russell Wilson, and I throw a sexy deep ball. And the running underneath it is the big tight end down to the 10-yard line. Tanner, no, I Tanner McAvoy. It's McAvoy. He looks like a tight he end. He's got that kind of size. Big Tanner McAvoy, the wide receiver who had a drop a week ago. This time runs under a deep shot on a blitz. All go, and Russell just laid it up for 53 yards inside the 10 down to the Houston 7-yard line. I'm not sure who ran the wrong route there, whether that was Darbo or McAvoy, but I kind of enjoy McAvoy cherry-picking Darbo. <laughs> hey, he's a rookie. I, I know it's okay. that's mean. I know that's mean, but I, I do kind of enjoy it. It happens. And just like Paul Richardson tried to cherry-pick Baldwin in this game. And in the thank goodness. I know. I'm not, I'm not even mad. As long as one of the dudes catches it, I'm okay with it. You know who the other guy who's excited, Brandon? A guy that doesn't get a lot of shine? And I'm sure you've got this queued up, too. This can be a play that you can that you can play. This can be a play that you can play. There's some eloquent podcasting for you right there. <laughs> uh, Trey Madden. 
Wide receivers to either side and Russell under center. The Texans load up the line of scrimmage. Russell's going to throw over the top. Madden right down the middle. Trey Madden, 50, 40, 35, 30. They're chasing. They catch him at the 15-yard line. Who in the world expected the play fake and the fullback Trey Madden to run untouched right down the middle of the field and catches a perfect shot from Russell Wilson? It is a huge gain, and the Seahawks have it first and 10 at the Houston 12-yard line. Yeah, nobody expected it because nobody even thought the 38 still played for the Seahawks by that point in the game. We'd all forgotten about Trey Madden. Yeah, uh, Trey who? (laughs) Right. I'd forgotten about him so much, I didn't even bother to put his face on the milk carton. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't even know he was gone. But but he's back. There he was. That was was a huge play. Congratulations to him. Now, Look, I'm not even mad that he got caught. I mean, he's a fullback. Like, I, I, I can't expect him to have the wheels to, to take that all the way to the house. Oh, no. Although there wasn't anybody around him for like 17 zip codes. I, I have no idea where everybody in the Houston secondary was on that play. If they were all yeah. just hanging out on the sideline and they all had to find a way to converge into the center of the field. But, uh, yeah, credit, credit to Daryl Bevel there. Bev had a good game. These are the games you got to say he had a good game because he did. He abandoned the run game, let Russ do his thing. It's almost like it's been said somewhere. I feel like I've heard it. I'm not sure where. Yeah, I'm maybe sure it'll come, come out of your own mouth at some point, too, maybe, Brandon. Maybe that's why it seems so familiar. Yeah. Something that's not familiar, Brandon, the performance of this defense. We do have to talk about it. We have to talk about Deshaun Watson a little bit. Yeah. We. I mean... We, what what happened? <laughs> well, as it turns out, Deshaun Watson also pretty good. And we knew that yeah. coming into this game. Pete Carroll knew it coming into this game. Now, where we didn't give Watson enough credit, it was primarily based on historical factors. No rookie quarterback had come into Century Link Field and balled out the way Watson balled out against right. the Seahawks defense. And so you had the pressure of coming into Seattle. You had the pressure of playing against Legion of Boom, the the Seahawks defensive line, and which Seahawks defensive line had a pretty good game. Michael Bennett, two sacks, five hurries. Uh, you also had Frank Clark with a with a monster game, two sacks, seven hurries, nine total pressures. Frank Clark applied pressure on twenty six point nine percent of his snaps which puts him number one in the NFL this season, right ahead, right ahead of the number two guy, Von Miller Miller in week seven against the chargers who had two sacks, eight total pressures. It's pretty good guy to be ahead of. Yeah. I I think I recall saying something about Frank Clark having a play in three, four games ago. That was Von Miller esque Mm -hmm. where he just ran right around. Oh, it was the Rams game ran right around uh, there. Whitworth and uh, Jared was mad at me. Like, yeah, oh, that, that's terrible. You can't say that. Can't he's a big Broncos that. fan. Yeah. And uh, no, I can't say that because he's, well, you know, now whatever Von Miller does, you have to call Frank Clark-esque because <laughs> Frank Clark is playing at a higher level. It's so, already got to that point. Well, it's just where it's at. Von I mean, I'll make up unseated. the numbers. You just, you just, you just stated them. That's like, true. I didn't make that up. Like, that's, that's just the way it is. Yeah. The next step for this defensive line, though, is to close out and to, to get the sacks on those pressures. Sure. It does feel a little lacking in the sacks department. We even got pressure up up the middle in this game. Now, Watson, maybe not the guy where you can expect a whole lot of finishing, but I think what did the Seahawks have? They had five sacks in this game, right? Something like that. 
So this game is not the game to point out and say they, the defensive line can do better. They did plenty well uh, in this game. Interceptions, you know, you had Earl Thomas with the interception, Richard Sherman. His first two interceptions of the season. Mm-hmm. Jaron Reed had a big game. He had four pressures inside, and that nearly doubled his production in terms of uh, getting pressure up the middle. He had five defensive pressures coming into this game, and his performance this week puts him in the company of dudes like Fletcher Cox, Sheldon Rankins, and Dominican Sue, Geno Atkins, Dontari Poe. So that's the type of production that he was getting in this game. Yet somehow Watson was still tearing us up. Well, and a lot of that had to do with going after the corners, right? He he showed no fear in going over the top, down the middle against Earl Thomas and Shaq Griffin. And he threw at Richard, Richard Sherman. Sherman. Several he went times. after Sherman. Yeah. And, you know, okay, so two things. I, I said coming into this game, you're going to find out why everybody else hates Russell Wilson. Right. Like having to play a guy like that. Because, yeah, he does a pretty decent Russell Wilson impersonation. No doubt about it. He was incredibly locked in and he made some throws, especially a couple on Sherman. That first one to Hopkins where Sherman was draped all over him on rhythm, on time in the only spot it could be unbelievable. Then he, he uh, throws a touchdown on Sherman and where we talked about the Houston offense being creative. They had two or three fakes uh, in the backfield, and they did that all day. They'd have multiple fakes, whether mm-hmm. that was fake zone read, fake pitch, and then Watson would throw the ball. Or that was creative. They really got us that way, um, and that got Sherman out of position on one. And then he hits one on Sherman to Hopkins, where I, I other than shanking De- DeAndre Hopkins in the middle of the route so that he just falls down and dies, <laughs> I don't know how you keep him from catching that. Fall. I, it was it was beyond perfect coverage. Yeah, I, I don't know what you do. I mean. Really, the way that the defense was getting beat, they were playing great coverage most of the game. It was just an outstanding performance by by Watson. And I really believe Bob McNair and his statements galvanized this team coming into this game. They were playing on a mission for one another. You could tell. They were focused, hyper-focused. I think that played a big part in the success of the offense on, on this day. Well, another one of those plays, I think we need to give credit to DeAndre Hopkins, too, because it was just a screen pass from Watson and uh, Watson just beats the entire defense and the blocking on it was set up. Well, he he juked Cam Chancellor out of his shoes to make it upfield. And once he was past Cam, it was all over. That was special. Sometimes you're going to get got by great guys. And that's that's exactly what happened there. I mean, holy cow. 72 yard touchdown by Hopkins and uh that that one stung a little. Oh man, so mad! I may have thrown things in my living room. <laughs> just just maybe, huh? Yeah, it's it's a legend. <laughs> Interesting stat on the game that I thought time of possession within about thirty seconds of both teams. That to me shows exactly how even this game was going down the stretch. I mean, because it was just so back and forth and such a duel. What a great duel! I think I'm going to enjoy watching these two young quarterbacks go after the next five years as all of these over the hill legends finally get the hell out of the game. Tom Brady. See you later. Philip Rivers, See you later. Ben Roethlisberger. See you later. Eli Manning. See you later. Uh, bye. I'm done with you guys. I've yeah. had enough. Yeah. I'm ready for the new guys. Drew Brees can stick around though. He's all right. Yeah. He'll probably stick around and be a Bronco next year. You. Yeah. Gross. That's probably happening. That was the big rumor at the Denver airport when I flew through there last weekend. Really? Yep. Oh, I like that rumor. I, I don't know if I could see uh, Drew Brees do his little shoulder pad tug 
in a Broncos uniform. That'd be weird. I like Drew Brees too much to see him go to the Broncos. Doesn't that sound like a John Elway move, though? We should save this for the pick show. I'm sorry. I took us off the rails. <laughs> we'll talk about that in the pick show. There was another trade this week the, to the 49ers that we need to talk about in the pick show. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about yeah, that. There's one. a lot to talk about. It's a good thing we still have a couple days before we can fully digest the the fact that Garoppolo is going to be San Francisco's quarterback. Yeah, but, I think another thing we'll have to talk in the pick show is just uh, the amount of trades, in-season trades this year around the trade deadline. This feels unprecedented. It's kind of been that way, though, even... Even starting out the season, right, with the the idea of switching yeah. from the 53, you know, going from 90 down to 53, that made for a lot of shakeups earlier in the year. I don't know how that would impact it necessarily for, for now, but uh, yeah, just kind of an odd year where you don't see the number of impactful trades happening at the trade deadline. Yeah, in season. Yeah, that's very basketball-esque, but definitely not something you've seen in the NFL traditionally, so... I'm just really excited that John Schneider's at the head of the curve of this and, uh, you know, brought us somebody who plays the position of left tackle, like knows how to do it. He's been good at it for a long time. Dude, problem solved. The problem freaking solved. And Brown was the guy that you looked at, you know, out of all the names that were kind of thrown around out there, right? You heard Cordy Glenn from Buffalo. You heard, you know, they brought in Brandon Albert. Those guys are they're good. I mean, Brandon Albert, Pro Bowl player. Dwayne Stop Brown. Up. He would have been a year thing. Yeah. Dwayne Brown, though, a guy who's played at an all pro level. Yes. And has done it for multiple years. Yeah. All pro and, in 2012, three time Pro Bowler. And we saw that he's not done. He's not even close to done. That's a, that's the a really cool part. I'm just really imagining this line coming together towards the end of the year and that left side of the line in particular when you'll end up having Brown, Jokel, and Britt. That's going to be pretty good. That's going to be about as good as we've had in about two, three years. Well, and this does lead us into the game against Washington because there still are some some questions oh, right. <laughs> on the offensive line. Oh, you you want to talk about that? <laughs> I, I I'm still I'm still such a, in a glow about the game and this trade that I, I'd forgotten about Washington coming to town. Yeah, like yeah, that's still happening and. Posick, pretty good in the passing game. He, he played the full game at left guard, filling in for Jokel, and only had two pressures in this game. No sacks. Not real stellar in the run game, as Pete Carroll pointed out in uh, in post game. But it does bring the question now: Is Posick going to be the guy to stay in there at left guard? Do you see Odiambo potentially move inside now? Or is is Posick have that backup job kind of uh, is, is it his now until Jokel comes back? Might be his until Jokel comes back. I mean, we're only talking another week or two, right? Tough to know what well, the Jokel's recovery is going to be. Right. Yeah. They said three to four weeks. So I'm taking them at their word on it. But I mean, when Jokel comes back, I mean, could you end up seeing Posick on the right side? Right guard? It could make it interesting. Yeah. I mean, Glowinski obviously is somebody that the Seahawks do not believe in anymore. Uh, Abushi's okay. And Effetti single-handedly still kills drives with penalties just for the fun of it. But you can handle having one weakness. You can, ha- you can handle Effetti being the one guy that, uh, you kind of, you know, shrug your shoulders and go, okay, he's, he's still going to get there. But I think what you said makes a lot of sense with Abushi being on a one-year contract with Posick being the, the guy on his rookie deal under contract for a few more years. It seems to make more sense that if he is 
the type of talent that you want to build the offensive line with, you find a spot for him at one of the guard spots. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I guess maybe you could make that same argument for left guard with Jokel being on a one-year deal. Well, that's one of my questions coming into this game now. Historically, Seahawks versus Washington. I, I like to look at this. Historically, the Skins were a team that Mike Holmgren and, and that era of Seahawks, they always seem to be battling, right? In the playoffs, in the regular season. Every year, it seemed like this was a team that they were playing. But now, you know, this is just the third time these two teams have faced in the Pete Carroll era. First time lost in century link. The Washington came in beats, beat the Seahawks 23, 17. That was back in 2011. Uh, but Russell Wilson won the last two 24 to 14 in the 2013 playoffs against Robert Griffin, the third, uh, and then 27, 17, a win in Landover, Maryland in October, 2014. So Seahawks, Russell Wilson, they've got the Redskins under control. Oh, and this defensive line is going to have the Redskins under control, man. Like, is it going to be? I hope it for Kirk Cousins' sakes, it's like partly sunny with like a few clouds because he's going to be on his back the entire game looking up at the sky. And I hope there's a few clouds he can look at that he can maybe like, oh, that looks like an elephant or, you know, just something, you know, something for him to look at. He's going to be on his back all game long. Frank Clark will eat their lunch in this game. No, I mean, Dwight Freedy may even come out and have another meh game. He might be able to string together two of them. The defensive line could really cause havoc in this game with all the injuries on the offensive line for the Redskins, an offensive line that wasn't great to begin with. On the road, in the clink. You have Brandon Scherf, their right guard, who was out of the game due to injury. He's in question about whether or not he's going to play this weekend. You have their, their big left tackle, Trent Williams. You know, he sat out the last game, and it sounds like he's unlikely to play. Um, he has a bone bruise and ligament damage in his right knee and uh, their backup left tackle even had to come out of the game in this game. So they had some rookie that they played off the street. If, if that dude is out there against Dwight Freeney, you can bet he's going to be seeing some Freeney spin moves this weekend. Yeah. I mean, with as close as his last game was this team, the Washington Redskins do not match up with the Seahawks well in any way. There's no way that they're going to go ahead and move the ball through the air like they did, uh, like the Texans did a week before. What with the with the scary weapons of Doxon and uh, Terrell Pryor? Does that really scare you? Sounds like Jordan Reed could be hurt. That's the, that's the one weapon you look at and you go, yeah, he's he's a heck of a player, but I don't even know if he's going to play. No, I, because the coach already this week, Jordan Reed was the one guy who he essentially already ruled out along with uh, Matt Ioannidis, the the defensive tackle there you go in the middle. So those two guys, the coach sounded pretty certain that he and Jordan Reed wouldn't play at, which leaves at tight end Vernon Davis at tight end for Washington. So yeah. uh, he can have some flashbacks to cam chancellor. I was going to say, I, all we need to do this week is for every 12 is to just tweet a picture of cam chancellor to Vernon Davis. Just do that. Ooh, that sounds, he that might sounds not mean. even show up to the stadium. And it could just be his headshot. Like, you don't have to show the hit or anything. Just just Cam's face. Now, see, I don't like that. I think we should take... Now, Luke Wilson had the idea that we need to be tweeting at uh, Jimmy Graham and Doug Baldwin about getting them onto the uh, no. Techno Thursday short shorts no. movement. Yeah. No, and more no, and all the no's. No, no, absolutely not. Luke Wilson did something boneheaded in this game, this last game, too, and it's because he's worn a man bun before. Screwed up his whole deal. Screwed him up. That's what you get. It's karma. Don't wear man buns. Don't wear skinny jeans. Don't wear short shorts. 
Come on, man. Have some class. Luke Wilson needs to drop this, man. If he wants to fight, I'll fight. I don't even care. I like the fact that Jordan Roos pointed out that the short shorts that they wear are actually tailored specifically to be that short. Like, they pay they, money for that garbage? They have they, they use a Sharpie to show where the equipment guys to cut them off and actually have them hemmed. Look, if I'm the equipment guys, just for the sake of, of uh, mankind, you know, like just the male gender, I think that you strike. You strike. You refuse it. You refuse to cut them off at that stupid level. You're you're as an equipment manager on the cusp of a Super Bowl, a potential Super Bowl season. Yeah, you're going to strike. Hell yeah. You got to have standards, Brandon. You got to have morals. There's got to be a line. Short shorts, skinny jeans, man buns. Oh, and dudes wearing clogs. That's the line in the sand. Can't have it. You know, it's true. Maybe equipment managers are fans of the short shorts movement. You don't know. Then they need to be they need to be fired. Like, I don't call for people to lose their job, but that's that's a, a rare case. <laughs> that's, that's where you. OK. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's a line, man. I don't know. Have you seen Russell Wilson's thighs? Yes, you have, because he's been wearing short shorts. And it's wrong. Capital W, capital R, capital ONG. Wrong. I feel like we should get back to this game. <laughs> short shorts are an abomination. <laughs> Some notable players on defense for Washington. Ryan Kerrigan, Junior Gallette. They've been good players for a long time. Those are their mm-hmm. two primary pass rushers. Uh, Josh Norman at corner. You got uh, Kendall Fuller in the slot. He's a second-year guy, third-round pick. He has two interceptions on the season. Apart from that, there's just not a lot of guys on the defense where you say, yeah, I'm worried about that guy. Josh Norman, probably probably the one guy, right? The the yeah. pro bowler, you know, all pro with a bunch. Definitely a talented player. I don't know that uh, it, you know, just one corner can swing a game for you. I mean, maybe. Uh, I, I like Kerrigan's game a lot. I've, I've always thought he's a fine player. Um, yeah. He's going to have to run into Dwayne Brown now, though. So good luck with that. I wanted to go through and like look at all the matchups and everything, but one, I was still basking in the glow of these last couple of days, and two, I really don't have a lot of interest in looking at Washington Redskins second string players. There's a lot too, and I mentioned Trent Williams and Brandon Scherf, but there's other guys too. You know, Spencer Long, one of their guards, says he's uncertain if he's going to play against the Seahawks. You have one of their backup tackles, Ty uh, Niseki. <laughs> Yeah, that guy has an ab- abdominal injury. You know, he's questionable. He always Sean- has those. I know a lot about that guy. He's always having mm-hmm. abdominal problems. Oh, yeah. You know how to pronounce his name then. Oh, yeah. Ty <laughs> nailed it. You got TJ Clemmings, an offensive lineman who's injured. Every like every dude on the offensive line seems to be injured. Yeah. You know, you think I'd have sympathy for a team having a bad offensive line going into a game. But um, turns out I don't. I, I really no. don't. Yeah. And especially then, then you got to take this all the way back to the Big Ten duel between Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson. These guys have dueled uh, in college, and I there's still some people out there who think Kirk Cousins is the better quarterback. I need I need Russell Wilson to show everybody exactly what's going on here. Kirk Cousins is one of the most anti-clutch guys in the NFL. How many games has he had the ball with two minutes left and and thrown a pick to ice a game? I want to know that stat because I think Kirk Cousins is now he has, I think, seven fourth quarter comebacks in his career. Seven. Compare that to 19 for Russell Wilson. Dudes have been in the NFL for the same amount of time. But, you know, Cousins uh, was backing up RG3 for a little bit. But yeah, Cousins is anti-stat. You know, uh, his his seven fourth quarter comebacks. Do you know which former Seahawks quarterback 
who he's tied with. Uh, Jim Zorn. He's actually behind Jim Zorn. Jim oh. Zorn had nine. Okay. Playing for you know, a pretty rough Seahawks team, if you think about it, back in those early days, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's tied with former Seahawks quarterback John Freeze. Wow, really? Yeah. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. One yeah. of those 90s uh, yeah. Seahawks quarterbacks. Yeah, he has Montana ties, correct? That's why his name's so, you know, he, he sticks with you. Oh, absolutely. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, John Freeze. There he is. Tied with Kirk Cousins in stats. Well, the one thing that I would watch for in this game, much like in the Rams game where you had Jared Goff dumping it off to Todd Gurley, Chris Thompson for the skins has been Cousins' favorite target out of the backfield. 31 catches, 442 yards, almost double what Thompson's had on the ground. That's that's the one thing. And so having had prepared for that already against the Rams, I would expect them to see that in this game. Uh, Terrell Pryor, I know I'm not worried about him. You're not worried about him, Adam. He's been the Eddie Lacy signing of the offseason for the skins. Uh, fans calling for him to be benched. I didn't see fans calling for Doxon to be benched and he's he their second year dude. Yeah, he hasn't been great prior. Fine. He's a, he's on a one year contract. You can dump him after the year, but you kind of want to de- hope to develop Doxon and you want to have patience with some of the younger receivers. I feel like especially the early round picks. Oh, absolutely. That's why I thought it was uh, just crazy of them to get rid of Deshaun Jackson and get rid of uh, Pierre Garçon in this yeah. off this last off season. And everybody thought that somehow they got better doing that. I, this is exactly the Redskins team that I had kind of thought they'd be at the beginning of the year. Instead, you have Jamison Crowder as their leading wide receiver. I guess Vernon Davis would be their leading pass catcher, but uh, at the wideout position that goes to Crowder. Good luck with that Redskins. I, I, I think with those sort of, you know, the ilk of their receivers and where they are right now, I think you can see this uh, Seattle secondary be able to focus, like you said, on those checkdowns, uh, the little things that Cousins like to do that way. Um, yeah, even with potentially without Earl Thomas, um, this will be where we see the Bradley McDougal, the Bradley McDougal, uh, come in and uh, <laughs> the Bradley McDougal. That's right. Yeah, because it sounds like Earl is going to be out for this game. Yeah, apparently I'm uh, Bradley McDougal's. Uh, Bradley McDougal's hype man now. That's yeah. that's who I am. <laughs> Starting at free safety, the Bradley McDougal. Yeah, so, I mean, we kind of had a plan for when we have those two to three games that we miss of either Cam or Earl. And this is where McDougal comes in. A starter quality player uh, that, no, he's not going to be Earl Thomas. But in a game with receivers like this, I think he can do a good enough Earl Thomas impersonation to where we can really shut these guys down. Well, overall, I, I'm looking forward to the Seahawks having their their second game in the row at the clink. Then they'll go on the road the following week and and then they'll come back and play Atlanta Monday night football. So a nice homestand for the Seahawks in this this month here. Yes, absolutely. This should be a stretch where the Seahawks pile up some wins. I'm really looking forward to. You know, a few of the teams that what are the teams here on this home stretch, Brandon? What how does this uh, look like coming up for them? After the skins, they take on the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, that will be on Thursday night, November 9th. And then they have that another kind of mini buy right after that Thursday night game where they don't play mm-hmm. until the following Monday and play against the Atlanta Falcons. That's going to be really fun, too. And then it's down to the 49ers. On the 26th, so right after Thanksgiving, they'll they'll be in Santa Clara and playing the winless San Francisco 49ers. We could legitimately be at nine wins by the end of uh, November. Like that's that's in range. 
it's in range. And then you have a stretch of games where you're, you have some more difficult teams because you're taking on the Eagles. That's you the have, one I want to see. You have the Jaguars. You have yeah. the Rams again. Yeah, I'm ready for that, too. And then uh, the Cowboys will be getting Ezekiel Elliott back uh, a couple games before the Seahawks play them on Christmas Eve. That's fine. They still do, do they get any secondary players back from last year's team or the <laughs> team before? I think, I think they'll be done. Oh, OK. So it's still the same secondary for Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, looking forward to that game, too. I can't wait for the Eagles game, man. That and the Rams game. Maybe the Rams game even more. And I'll tell you why. Every power ranking I look at, they've got the Rams ahead of us who are A, behind us in the division, and B, have lost to us at home. They're home. They're home. Well, I guess whatever they call that stadium. In what, There's people that come there. I think they call them fans. <laughs> like a few of them anyways. I, maybe there's just family. But uh, to me, that's hilarious. It is hilarious. Just because everybody loves offensive football, the you know, Rams are higher than us in the power rankings. What a joke show. Do better. Oh, my gosh. NFL.com. Well, we we were on to this earlier. As as listeners were tipping us off, the idea that NFL.com being an L.A.-based agency, they really want to be behind the Rams this year. Yeah, the, the NFL as a league is desperate for these L.A. teams to succeed there because they, they didn't just bring one to L.A. They brought two to a fan base that has never really fully supported the NFL. I don't know if you knew this, Brandon, but we've tried NFL in, in L.A. before a couple times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But no, owners wanted to keep getting them checks. So now we've got two teams in L.A. Awesome. There you go. So they're they're trying real hard to push that. So, yeah, of course, you can have the Seahawks uh, push all the way down uh, in your power rankings. Or you can just be, you know, somebody like Chris Sims, who can't seem to figure out where to put the Seahawks rightfully and uh, has them still out of the top 10 of all teams in the NFL. Like, I can't name more than one team you could legitimately say is better than them in the NFC. And. He's got and he's got him at he's got him at 11, 18 last week and 11 this week. Come on, man. What are you doing? Why do you hate us so much? I thought I heard him talking about how he was going to have to rethink his position now with Dwayne Brown coming to the team. Well, thank God there's something that smacks some sense into him. He's been needing to rethink this for like weeks. Well, maybe this is his potential out too to allow himself to boost him back up to where they should be. Oh, he couldn't just do it on the courage of his conviction. He needed cover. Is, it, is Dwayne Brown going to give him the cover to backpedal on what he really thought? Not the not the power rankings even matter at one iota. Well, they matter a little. It's fun to talk about. It is fun to talk about. Plus, it's we're 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 months away from list season, Brandon. So I needed a I needed a list. I needed something. Yeah, the list of I, rankings I is the one thing, the one thing that we can look toward during the season. I was jonesing a little bit. Well. I'll uh, I'll bring up another list to talk about after the break, along with some new members of the flock and, of course, some do better and better at life. All right. The Seahawkers are the official booster club of the Seattle Seahawks. Go to Seahawkers.org to find a chapter near you. Uh, I want to mention the military Seahawkers this year that we are raising Funds and food for the Maple Valley Food Bank there in the Seattle area. So if you have any canned food, if you remember the military Seahawkers, bring that food by our tailgate. If you want to arrange a donation, you can let me know. You can let Tracy Williams know. And uh, we will be that, that's our plan. This holiday season is to collect food for the Maple Valley Food Bank. Very cool, man. It uh, always feels good to you know give a little during the holiday season. No doubt. Well, I mentioned I wanted to bring up a list after the break and mm. I want to bring up the list of NFL 
receiving yardage leaders, Adam. Okay. Because it's important to me. We, we've talked about this bet we have going with the Rams podcast. Right. I need a bet update. Where are we? Or where are you, more importantly? Yeah, it's it's actually looking really good because now we're through the first eight weeks of the season. The Rams have had their buy. The Seahawks have had their buy. And, and now we have an accurate picture of how things are looking through this point of the season. Fortunately, both players have stayed healthy, so we don't have to have our bet sullen by injury, much like yours was last year with Todd Gurley yes. and, and Thomas yep. Rawls. But now, Cooper Cup for the Rams up against... Tyler Lockett for the Seahawks, 121 yards against the Texans, puts him at his number two game. Uh, last year was his biggest game, 130 yards receiving against the Rams in that 24 to three win toward the end of the season. And I just wanted to point out that, yes, our, our bet is for total all purpose yards. But uh, Tyler Lockett now ahead of cup in the receiving yard standings. So what you're saying is, is that Tyler Lockett is the third option in the Seahawks offense at best. Uh, has the same amount of receiving yards as Cooper does being the number one option in the Rams offense. I don't know if he's the number one option. He's the number one. Who's the number one? Yeah, it's not Robert Woods. And it's not Sammy Watkins. That guy needs to be put on a milk carton, I think. Yeah, for sure. So 345 yards receiving on the air for Tyler Locke at this point. 316 yards for Cup on this year. Yeah, 42 targets. He's the number one. Although only 23 receptions. Yeah, that's because Cup stinks. He's overrated. I mean, he's a rookie. He may end up being better than I expected. I'll, I'll give him that. Cup's okay. He's all right. Yeah. And I'm only using one of his names from here on out. Because we have to balance out the media tendency to use both his first and last name. We have to do that. Mm-hmm. I kind of just want to call him Tin Cup. It's a great movie. Uh, it is a great movie. I wouldn't yeah. associate Cooper Cup with Tin Cup. That's a good point. Because it's a great movie. So stop, I'm sorry. Stop thinking about that. But Robert's, Robert Woods is the number one target. 44 targets for the Rams. 27 receptions. But yeah, that's not he, the guy that you think of as your number one. Well, it shouldn't be, but it is because, you know, Rams. Right. So, but no, but they're better than us. So it's fine. Yeah. Number two in the power rankings. Enjoy that power ranking spot as your number two in the NFC West. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That shows you how, how topsy-turvy that stuff is. Amazing. Well, let's talk about our flock because uh, we had some Flocktimus Maximus worthy donations this week. What? We have three new members of the flock. Oh, yeah. Good story that I want to share with everybody this week. This is fun. Uh, but before we get there, I need to mention the fact Young Choi, he sent us 500 Seahawkers podcast patches in the yes. mail this past week. And so he, I'm, I'm giving him the Floctimus Maximus uh, recognition for this week, just based on the sheer number of patches that he, he donated for the show. This is going to go in everybody who is in the flock at the $5 level or higher. We talked about in the past how we don't have mm -hmm. necessarily a, a, a thing to go with uh, that particular level of support for the show. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to get a patch, a Seahawkers podcast patch on the base of the patch, Adam. This is a shout out to you. Yes. It says, I'm a little flocker. Love it. I love it. Uh, you, when I was up in Calspell the other day, you happened to pass a few of those along. And just so uh, Young knows, I, I'm going to put that on my, uh, my lounging around the house, like pajama pants. Like they, mm. it's going to be perfect. Cause I, I did cut a little hole in them and it's going to patch that up perfect. And it's going to look cool. It's going to be in the exact right spot. It needs to be. I'm very excited to put that on there. Um, I only have one question. 
you have to sew those on there? How do, how do they attach? Like, what do you do? I've never been a patch guy, so I don't know. Okay, I, I will reach out to Young to find out exactly how, if they're heat transfer patches, because I know that's a thing. Okay. Um, but I appreciate the fact that you're using your patch to its namesake by actually patching a hole. Yeah, exactly. The patch is going to... Absolutely. That's the, that's the way it's got to go. So a huge thanks to Young and for everybody who has supported the show in the past. I'm going to have to find a way. I'm going to bring some out. So if you're going to uh, meet up with us and hang out, I know, Adam, I know you won't be there for sure Saturday night, but I game know there's... Game time decision, man. Yeah, game yeah. time decision for Adam, but uh, we... I'll be hanging out with our, our friends from our Aussie friends who are coming up and our UK friends who are coming over. So a lot of oh, man and, and then anybody locally who wants to come too, just to let me know. And we're planning on get together Saturday night and then Sunday before the game, we have a tailgate with the military Seahawkers. And then Sunday after the game, uh, we're meeting up at one of my favorite pizza places. So, Yes. Yeah. I definitely won't be there Saturday. I can for sure say that because we'll have to do at least 12 or 14 hours on Saturday just to get this in range. Yeah. So I, I, I'm probably not going to work 12 or 14 hours and then drive to Seattle. Kind of hoping for a, a ride possibility, but we'll see. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if not, I, I just got to talk to Jared, make sure he's going to also know, drive with taking two cars. Yeah. I'll build a mill. I don't care. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Another one to mention Daniel Weinholz who works for Buck Knives, donated a knife to the to the Pick'em League. And it's, yeah, it's the 75th anniversary edition of the 119 special. And it's engraved 2017 Seahawkers podcast Pick'em League champ. That's It's awesome, man. I'll tell you what, Crocodile Dundee, he'd call that a knife. He would call that a knife. Yeah, it's, it's, it's legit. I'm really excited about that. So big shout out and uh, thanks to Buck Knives and to Dan. Uh, really appreciate uh, the way you guys support the show. I can't wait to have that knife. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna look great at my house. <laughs> well, you're gonna have to get past a few uh, other, uh, a few other people in the Pick'em League, Adam, because yeah. as I look at the leaderboard, we have a new leader at the top of the leaderboard. What? PBR been a change? Yeah, PBR. You serious? Jump. I don't know. Are we serious? Did you really take the lead? PBR, are you serious? PBR, are you serious? Seriously took the lead this week. And a big reason for that, a perfect week of picks for PBR, are you serious? Yeah, that can't be serious. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's fishy. I know I say it every week when somebody does good that it doesn't seem to add up because it's more than mine, <laughs> but it doesn't. It doesn't seem to add up because it's more than mine. PBR, you serious in the number one spot with 1,130. Altris, 1,110, tied with the blue and green mile. And uh, in the fourth spot, I don't read so good, 1060. <laughs> that, one's, that, one's funny. <laughs> that one's gonna make me die. A good Jaron uh, Reed reference. Uh, I don't read so good. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well done. And Cabana Boys, 1030. <laughs> that, that's awesome, man. God, you guys are hilarious. <laughs> we have the best listeners in the world, man. It's true. It's not even close. If there was ever an anchorman fight between podcast listeners, we would crush people. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I have no, I have no doubts about I that. I would love to take on r- rival podcasts of other teams. With, yeah. Uh, yeah. Our dudes Next with- week, I want to hear what everybody's weapon of choice would be. Yeah. <laughs> I, want, I want that. Similar to Anchorman, what would be your weapon of choice that you bring to the fight with other rival team podcasts? 
Yes. I will uh, I will think on that as well. I, I I'm leaning towards and I can't remember exactly the name of the of the weapon, but there's a there's a sword, they call it a sword that uh is from uh India and it's basically like I don't know, two, three feet long, but it's f- really flexible like a like a bamil blade. Like a scimitar? It's a yes, it, it's it's got it's like a, it's more like a, a sword slash whip. Mm-hmm. You kind of whip it all around and you just slice people up like they're, you know, you know, just pieces of sushi. Mm-hmm. That'd be my choice right there. I don't know what it's called, but that that would be the bomb. That's my weapon of choice. I would do I'd go broadsword. I see you as a broadsword guy. Yeah. That fits. Yeah. Kind of fits your truck guy persona you got going on now. I should hang a broadsword. You know where most people hang their shotgun? I, yes. I should hang a broadsword back there. That would be hilarious. If I ever saw somebody running around with a broadsword in their gun rack, I would probably laugh my ass off. <laughs> I feel like I that... might buy you one for Christmas just to make this happen. And it fits my personality more. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It's like still don't mess with me, but I've got a sense of humor about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 19 people with perfect picks this week in our Seahawkers podcast Pick'em League. That was hacked. Yeah. I don't know. 19 for reals. That's impressive, people. I only ended up with 90 points this week. I also forgot to pick the Thursday game. That was my downfall. But uh, yeah, apparently the league is starting to make some more sense. Yeah. Bullbuster, PBR, you serious? I don't read so good. Torpedoes away. I like that one. (laughs) Hotlanta Hawk, Cabana Boys, the Blue and Green Mile. Next page. Uh, these people don't have their Golly. usernames. So congrats to those oh. people that uh, properly address their names. Situa- oh, uh, Ballstar1962. That's the other one. And did okay. I, Mr. Poopotamus. I know Mr. Poopotamus doesn't change the username, but uh, I got to recognize. I got to respect the username. Absolutely. It's a solid one. Yeah. So all of you that didn't change your, uh, your username, uh, Bombs Only is still available. Bombs Only. <laughs> yeah. To describe the the... the Chiefs playbook could almost be our playbook too. Eh, it's kind of looking that way. Yeah, I like it more than the bad plays playbook. They I'll feel like that. they belong in the good plays playbook. I, exactly. Only. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there could just be like a a tab of like in the good playbook, just labeled bombs only. So I'd like to have a few other things. Still haven't welcomed our new members of the vlog. Before we do, I want to recognize Mark Martella. He had he had two one time donations uh, this week. One for, for one for five dollars. Uh, awesome. This came in last week, and then one that came in today for fifty dollars. Whoa! And he explains why. Okay, uh, actually, he Not had a, he had a lengthy email last week saying that he missed putting in his picks in the Pick'em League. Right. He felt bad. He he was sending in the five dollar donation as uh, I don't know some kind of uh, penance, Man, penance yeah. yeah, penance for missing the previous week picks, I guess, and sent a note in, and it was it was right after the show, so he didn't get to read it, but now. Today, he sends in a $50 donation and explains why. Says, hey, Brandon, look at that. From a shameful missed week to hitting every pick for the week. Perfecto. Wow. Being an Australian, I have to use our weight units because we don't work in pounds or inches, but I hit all of the one-point spread bets this week, and I I made a metric ton of money. Congratulations, man. Congratulations. Yeah, Mark says, going to kick some your way to, to celebrate for sure. And now he says, now that is to me uh, due to the good karma. Hakra, perhaps, from my apology and my self-punishment. Yes. 
Always excited for the next pod from Mark at uh, MW Martella on Twitter. If you want to hit him up, your congrats. Uh, big win for Mark. And he, and he kicks back a, a little portion our way. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate that. And I, I love that. I'm really excited that he got a metric crap ton of uh, money out of it. And uh, I, what I what I like is, is that he gave us what, like, a, what would it be, like a metric kilograms worth? Sure. Like, that was nice. Yeah. That was really nice. So I think this is this is a great example for all the other flockers out there in the fact that if you have something going wrong in your life and, like, your hawker's just not quite right, <laughs> all you have to do is donate to the show. And, and good things go apparently happen. from worst to first, <laughs> just like Mark did. Look at Look at what came his way. Like you got you got great picks and fortune, like literal uh, you know literal money. Yeah, I don't know what we have, to, what we did to take uh, credit for to make it happen, but uh, you I'll, know what we did. But I, it's clear to me you that know it what worked. we did. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcoming some new members of the flock in at twelve twelve. Thomas Dillamuth. Uh, Thomas, welcome to the flock. Welcome to the Ring of Honor. Awesome. Thank you so much, Thomas. Welcome to the flock. You are indeed a little flocker. And getting one of those new podcast patches, as I mentioned earlier, $5 pledge from Alex Ray Snyder. Alex, welcome to the flock. Next up, $3 pledge from Scott A. Romani. Says, just join the flock at $3 in honor of Russell Wilson's Unreal Game this week. Can't wait for this week's show. I'm excited to hear your reaction to the game and trade. Go Hawks. Thank you, Scott, and welcome to the flock. And a welcome to the flock to Michael Burt in for bonus episodes and stickers. Awesome, man. You guys are amazing. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, Somebody had asked us a little while back as a count to, we're trying to get to 300 flockers. And when we get to 300 flockers, um, as long as I'm not at the mill, we will do a post-game reaction. Yes. So... We were, we were hoping for 300, or not hoping. That's what we're going to get to. And uh, we're at 248. I looked it up this morning. Or maybe it's more now, because I think there was a couple that came in. Yeah, we had two that just come in. We're at 249. And we're cool. also at the end of the month. So whatever, uh, with the way Patreon works, people end up dropping off at the end of every month. It's it's weird that way. So, um, oh, yeah, credit cards expire, right. like that people put in. Or, you know, maybe they're just like, yeah, that's all I could afford. And so I have to drop out for a little while. Right. And that's fine. Which is totally cool. Yeah, but that's the number that we use. And so as soon as it hits 300, uh, that's when we're doing our post game reaction shows. Yes. So uh, we're, we're close, folks. 51. All we need is 51 little flockers like that. That's it. And, and you're going to have more Seahawkers podcast goodness. Could you imagine how fun a post game show would have been after this last game? That would have been fun. Yeah, I know. I I was looking around for stuff to to read and to listen to and things like that because I was so excited, you know, as a fan. You know how much there was out there? Not much. Not much. Yeah, it was disappointing. But you also had a long day at the mill. So it was uh, like like you're saying, if you don't have that, like this last game would have been tough to do. It would have been a bummer if we had reached 300 and uh, we couldn't have done a show after that game. I probably would have found a way to do this. I may have zombied my way through it, but I I, I think I would have found a way. Okay. Well, I could have yeah. carried you, buddy. Yeah, I know. I was gonna I was gonna lean on you. Well, uh, also thanks to Annalisa for upping her pledge from six to twelve. Uh, That's Samuel, awesome. 
upped his pledge from 389 to 1231. So I don't know if he went from being a Doug Baldwin fan to being a Camp Chancellor fan, but uh, we appreciate the raise from. Does from, he does he have to distinguish? Can he be a fan of both? He could be a fan of both. Okay. And uh, Emilio got into the Ring of Honor because we had a couple people move up to. Uh, well, Annalisa moved up to the 1212 level, opened up a spot on the active 53. Emilio Snagnet, and uh, he's in the Ring of Honor now as well. So awesome, awesome! And, uh, well, welcome, yes. And Emilio we... sent a note. Uh, oh, okay. he, he titled it "Dilly Dilly, uh, <laughs> Dilly Dilly, <laughs> Dilly Dilly." <laughs> Uh, giving you guys a raise because, of course, you deserve it. If anyone else says different, then they're clearly insane. Glad to finally be a part of the Ringer of Honor as well. I got to get the full experience of what that was like with this week's game against Houston. And thankfully, I had that because, unfortunately, that what was probably the most exciting game to watch all week wasn't even broadcasted where I live. Uh, I know. Wasn't even wow. broadcast here in Montana either, Emilio, so... Yeah, yep. it's, we understand. Yeah. And uh, he says, also, I think I finally found the right Pick'em League group to join. So I can't wait to hopefully hear my team name announced in one of the podcasts. Pop, drop and lock it is on the <laughs> is on the rise to take the group over. Keep up the good work, guys. And go Hawks. Go Hawks. And uh, solid, solid name. Pop, drop. I and hope lock to it. announce that. Yeah. 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 That's that's creative as all heck. I was actually speaking to another little flogger about uh, the the Ring of Honor. And uh, it was her first game uh, amongst the Ring of Honor. Didn't realize how much back and forth went on like throughout the whole game, mm. how much people talk and, you know, how that's such a cool community. Like, especially if you're, you know, not in Seattle, you don't have many friends that like to even like football, let alone the Seahawks. Like you have this group of people to go back and forth with and to, you know, talk the game out as you go through and, and help alleviate, uh, you know, the stress of it. So, it's it's pretty dang cool and post it's a fun. lot of memes. We we post a lot of gifts and memes. <laughs> yeah, the, the the gift the gift game has gotten strong. I hate emojis, but I do tend to like gifts. I, I enjoy the gifts. Yeah, and I, I like that you finally got on board and started calling them gifts instead of peanut butter. Yeah, gifs. Right. Just going by GIFs. what the what the dude called them, but uh, clearly it's an uphill battle that uh, even the dude who invented them isn't going to win. So no, he he's a loser. Yeah. <laughs> that might have been a little harsh. That's, that was he a little might be harsh. a fine guy. He might be a fine guy. He's, he's not a little flocker. I know that. That's that could be. Well, he, he hasn't reached out to us if he is. No. All right. Well, uh, thanks to all the new members of the flock. Uh, we have a new review to, uh, too. Uh, before we get to our do better and better at life. All right. Do this, they make fun of me? Like, is this going to be okay? Let's see. I don't think it's critical of you, but I do see your name being mentioned. Oh. Okay, well, I mean, I was fine either way. I just was wanted to be mentally prepared, you okay. know? Yes. Yeah. No, it's a positive review because it's titled Proud oh. Member of the Little Flockers. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. We just never know. You never know. Uh, from ALM BFA 2004 says, I started listening to this podcast a couple of years ago and was always enlightened by Brandon and Adam's insights, banter, and true fandom. Having grown up in the Pacific Northwest, they remind me of family in Montana, and that instantly endeared them to me further. Last year, I finally took the plunge and donated, which has allowed me to join the Ring of Honor on Facebook. Since then, this has become more than a podcast. It's a community of fellow 12s who watch the game together, share Hawks info, interact with the guys, and joke with each other. It with the podcast has so enhanced my lifelong love of the Seahawks. I heartily recommend both this podcast and... Once you're hooked, consider donating and getting in the flock. It's well worth it. Go Hawks. 
Annalisa. That's who it is. Oh, it was Annalisa. Well, fantastic. Uh, if I would have known it was Annalisa, I know it, it would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's awesome. And we love having her as a member of the flock. And not only that, but a member of the Ring of Honor. She's val- she's valued there. Absolutely. No, she's yeah. she's upped her posting game, too, here recently. I was going to say, her, her Ring of Honor game is, is strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks, Annalisa. Thanks to all our new members of the flock. Adam. Let's get on to some do better and better at life. All right, man. Why don't you why don't you go up? I'm going to kick us off this week because my do better is for fatherhood.org. And uh, okay. yeah, it sounds kind of weird, but uh, I was watching yeah. Monday Night Football last night and uh, there's a commercial. It's a cute commercial except for one aspect that I really have a problem with. I'm going to tell you what that is. Okay. But watching Monday Night Football, the fatherhood.org commercial comes on. And if you haven't seen it, it's um, it's a dude from WWE, Roman Reigns. And, you know, big, no idea who that is. just okay. big hulking dude, uh, tattooed. And, and he's doing like the I'm a little teapot with his daughter. You haven't seen this commercial? No. Okay. Well, maybe you no, I watch TV on the internet, man. Like, okay. I, I, I don't get a lot of the commercials. Yeah. Well, that part of it's cool. Uh, you know, here's a dude spending time with his daughter. And the, and the whole point of the commercial is, uh, I think the tagline is, it only takes a moment to make a moment. So, you know, spending time with your kids, doing the stuff that they like. It's a okay. good message. It's a great sure. message for a commercial. Love it. Now, the one part, the, the aspect of it that is so weird to me. Okay. As he's doing the I'm a little teapot, there's this male lady who who has absolutely no words in the commercial. Wait a second. Is that an oxymoron? A male lady? Uh, a male carrier. A female ma- oh, male carrier. Okay. <laughs> I was like, a male lady? How does that work? I don't know. <laughs> no. There's, okay. a, there's a female male carrier that's walking by. There we go. Okay. And she's watching him through the window. That's creepy. It's like these peeping Jane like cutaways of her checking out the dude in the window. As he's doing the I'm a little teapot and flexing. It, it, it's the weirdest thing. Like if you just completely take out those cutscenes yeah. of, of peeping Jane uh, male lady. It's a it's a fine commercial. Instead, they they, they like add this stalkery kind of vibe to it. It's from a your mail stalkery carrier. weird vibe that's added to this commercial. And for fatherhood.org to put that in there. Do better. Yeah, do better. I'm looking out my window right now, looking to see if my mail carrier is out there, like checking me out. Yeah, like, I'm a little weirded out now. Yeah, look, the That's ad council creepy. does good things. They have Smoky Bear. You know, only you can yeah. prevent uh, wildfires. Yeah, uh, they have a lot of other ads that they do good work with. Cut the mail carrier out of this commercial. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, speaking of commercials that annoy me, like this is it, this isn't my do better, but <laughs> it, it could be. I mean, I, does everybody agree that the Verizon guy is the most punchable guy in all of commercials? The, the new Verizon guy or the old Verizon guy who is now like the turncoat? Uh, no, has, I, respect him for, I respect him for stabbing Verizon in the back. <laughs> the turncoat guy. Yeah. Like, I enjoy that. I mean, he's annoying, but I respect that. I respect he's got a dark side, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. No, the current Verizon guy. He's just so punchable. Mm. I, I want to punch him so bad. He annoys the hell out of me. Is, is he the mic drop guy? He's the mic drop guy, and he walks in Odell Beckham's press conference, and he's like, oh, whatever the heck he says. I mean, it's something that has nothing to do with it, you know? Yeah. Like, I just, I, I can't lame. stand him. Yeah, he, everything he says is lame. I can get with you on that. Anyway, all right. I don't know if my real do better. Dumb commercials. That's just something that was on my chest. I had if to get If you off. haven't looked up the, the Roman Reigns commercial, just just watch it, and, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, because it's so out of place and wrong. Yeah, yeah. And if you happen to see the Verizon guy walking on the street, punch him in the face. <laughs> but 
but don't. Well, unless you do. So I might do better this week. It's for the national sports media as a whole after the Seahawks-Houston game. I don't know if you noticed, Brandon, but two quarterbacks uh, dueled it out in Century Link this last Sunday. You know, One's been around for a while. You know, has Super Bowl rings, been to two Super Bowls, won a playoff game every year of his career. You know, he's kind of a big deal. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name's Russell Carrington Wilson. Yeah. Comes out. Gets the stat in this game. Leads the Seahawks back for the victory. You know how much I hear about Russell Wilson? Diddly poo. Nothing. All I hear about is the great and fabulous Deshaun Watson. Man, Keith Kett, was it Keith Kett over in the Seahawks Ring of Honor? Like, the, the, the posted the, the post about, he was just like it if everybody just stopped, uh, um, how can I put this for the, for the younger listeners? Uh, I think he even cleaned it up by saying, essing his D. Right. Okay. Very good. There. Yeah, exactly. That's all the national media has done since this game. I was so excited to watch the highlights and have them talk about what a step the Seahawks offense took forward in the passing game, how brilliant Russell Wilson was, how he's an MVP form. And all I heard about was Deshaun freaking Watson. He's a rookie. He's got to have his comeuppance first. And he lost. He lost. He, did he didn't lose. win. He lost. So to the national media for overlooking yet again our quarterback. That's our quarterback. Do better. Well, this might surprise you, Adam, because uh, my better at life this week is Deshaun Watson. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you asking his D? <laughs> Adam, 400 yards passing, 50 rushing yards, four TDs. He's the yeah, first he's NFL player to do it. Three picks and a loss. And he did it against the Legion of Boom in Seattle. Blew out every other rookie performance in CenturyLink. Yeah. You just ruined my do better. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking down your do better with my own better at life for Deshaun Watson. All right. Look, here's the thing. I can support you in your better at life. Yeah. Because he did play a hell of a game. But the national media can still do better. The national media can do better. But I'm going to come back around to you, Adam, because, uh, well, the one thing I want to say is the national media now is on notice because now if there's a quarterback list out there in this in off season, when list season comes out, if there's a quarterback list now where Deshaun Watson is behind Andrew Luck, I think it's a bad list Now we'll see what goes on through the end of the year. But Andrew Luck has officially, he, he has fallen down a tier. If you can't make it back from injury, I understand he's hurt, but we can't keep putting him among the elite. If he can't make it on the field. After missing a season and a half, basically. Right. Yeah. Well, what you are going to see is this year's Dak Prescott be ranked ahead of Russell Wilson yet again. Probably. Whatever. So I, I did a little bit of research because I saw the that stat of 400 plus passing yards, 50 plus rushing yards, four TDs. And I thought, you know, who are the other guys in his company? Now, he was the first guy to do it. But there were there were three other guys, three other quarterbacks to throw for more than 400 yards to rush for more than 30 yards in a game. They didn't quite get to 50, but they got to 30 and they threw three or more interceptions in a losing effort. Mm. As you pointed out Deshaun Watson's intercept interceptions. Yeah. in the loss in the I loss. I don't know if I wanted to highlight that, but they lost. They lost. And so did these three quarterbacks with similar stat lines. Cam Newton, Brett Favre, Randall Cunningham, Mm. All through for more than 400 yards, rushed for 30 plus yards, threw three or more interceptions in a losing effort. So for joining an elite company of losers, Deshaun Watson, better at life than Skip Bayless. 
All right, you turn that around nicely. I will I will uh I will give you that. Well played, Brandon. Well Thanks. played. And we great. had we had Mark from Facebook post this last week saying I only started listening this year. Okay. Can you guys go into why you hate Skip Bayless so much on your next podcast? Ah, yes. Okay. Well, uh I I kind of feel like we need an FAQ podcast. <laughs> right. Right, I'm like, okay one that covering just, this once in a while because we do oh, get I don't new mind listeners. It either. I'm just saying that way it's easy, so that you don't you don't feel lost for like a few episodes and then right in feeling weird, you know, being like I don't get the joke. Right, I hate that. I've listened to shows and, and and then finally have done that and was like, oh, that's what it is. Right, that's what it is. Right, but, but when we started this podcast in 2013, it was the year that Richard Sherman went on first take. And at that time, uh, Skip Bayless was on ESPN with Stephen A. Smith, part of first take. And Bayless had been crushing Sherman for the longest time, saying he wasn't that good. He wasn't elite. And Sherman went on the show specifically to take down Skip Bayless. And he said to Skip, I'm better at life than you. And so that uh, that spawned. We started the show later that summer. And we started with the segment Better at Life Than Skip Bayless. Thanks to Richard Sherman. Yep. All Brandon's idea. Something the longest running segment on the show from week one. We started at week one and carried yeah. it ever since. Do Better followed probably uh, maybe when, halfway through yeah, halfway through that season, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Halfway through the season. I'm not yeah, sure we were in double digit shows yet, but we, Do Better has been there for a while, too. But uh, yes, the, the, the longest running segment on the show. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of my favorite. And so I'm going to get to mine. My better at life than skip Bayless this week is for John Schneider. Yeah. Just, I know we've covered it, but thank you. Freaking God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, John Schneider. I could almost cry. Thank you so much. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for finally doing this. Thank you for taking advantage of this roster, this defense, this opportunity. I love you. I love you so much. I'm on a knee. I'll propose right now. Thank you for the gift of Dwayne Brown. Thank you for the gift of offensive line. Thank you for this gift to my fandom, my sanity, everything. Then thank you to the for this gift for the listeners that don't have to hear me yell about it anymore. Like, thank you for all of that. You are a messiah, a genius, a scholar. You should be the next president. No, scratch that. You should be the next ruler of the free world, like all the world. I love you, man. Thank you for helping a brother out. Oh, John Schneider, better at life than Skip Bayless. I feel the love, Adam. I feel the love coming from you. And it's it may it may at least earn John Schneider. Maybe not all those other titles that that you mentioned. He needs them all. But he he finally does need a GM of the year award, although Maybe scratch that because a lot of the GMs of the year are now fired. So I, I don't want him to stick around. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care if he gets that recognition or not. I don't know that he does either. But I know a lot of you probably are wondering where I was on social media after this uh, trade came down. Well, I was underneath my neighbor's Jeep all day installing a, a lift kit with him. And I had no idea this happened. And like Brandon called. I got to be and, the one to break the news to Adam on this. I was so excited. Right. And he, but he starts it all quizzically like, dude, dude. Like, dude, <laughs> like, what? Like, what I want to know if he was okay because I had I sent him a text and just you know saying you know like, dude, what's up? Yeah, and uh, didn't hear from him. So it had been maybe an hour, hour and a half after yes. the news of the signing broke, 
and I had to call him and I had to make sure he was okay to make sure he didn't pass out from shock or no, once you told me I slipped into a coma, right. like a deep, a deep, deep coma. And fortunately was able to wake up right before the show and see if this was real life. And turns out it still is. Turns yeah. out, it turns out it is. This has been a good year for my deal. This is why this is why yeah. you need to go to this game. You called for it. Now it's happened. Now you could be there in person to witness uh, an actual left tackle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, if the wheel grinding ferry can go to Lewiston, Idaho and just finish up those last six <laughs> wheels this weekend for me, I'll be there for sure. Yeah. Like, no problem. Yeah, those wheels aren't going to grind themselves. No. Does anybody know the wheel grinding ferry? Like yeah. They're, they, it's it's really dirty. It's we a, have you know, some pretty like cool, cool listeners. So if yeah. if the wheel grinding fairy exists, I bet I, hope it does. I bet they know. I bet we have a connection. All right. Well, hopefully they do. So get on that, folks. Uh, let us know your uh, battle weapon of choice for uh, podcast Acreman audience battles, and uh, let us know if you know the wheel grinding fairy. Exactly. And because it is the first of the month. Uh, this show will be coming out November 1st. We want to shout out to all our monthly contributors of $12 or more. So thanks to DCH and Sparks Nevada, who we will see at the game. Uh, Ross in Eureka, California. Ron in San Francisco. Ella in Woodway, Texas. Christina in Manassas, Virginia. David in Camas, Washington, who we will see at the game. Summer in Vancouver, Washington. Sven in Telto, Deutschland. Uh, James in Lidwood. Hector in Seattle. Craig in Camas, Washington. Keegan in Colorado Springs. Roe in Federal Way. Jameson in Murray, Utah. Gary in Chappaqua, New York. Young in Anchorage. Keith in Covington, Washington, a.k.a. Floctimus Prime. John in New York City. Tim in Austin, Texas. Kathy in Eureka, California. Garrett in Northern Ontario. Kevin in Keene, Texas, Paul in Jacksonville, North Carolina, Mark in Kirup, Western Australia, Crystal in Oldsmere, Florida, John Paul in Palmer, Alaska, Taylor in Inglewood, Colorado, Mike in Anchorage, Alaska, Brandon in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Craig in Pasco, Washington, Annalisa in New York City, Samuel in Altadena, California, Pepper in Greenville, South Carolina, and Thomas in the Bronx, New York. Thank you to all our $12 donors and higher for supporting the show, helping keep us going. We appreciate it a ton. Oh, man. Hey, thank you for being with us on this journey this season that is starting to look pretty damn special. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. We've got a left tackle.